0: So go ahead and subscribe to us, and follow along. Today is a big day. We begin Vacation Bible School this evening, and we want, as a part of our worship time together, um, to to lift up a prayer, uh, not only for our children primarily, but but for our volunteers. In fact, they're all throughout the sanctuary here and in the Family Life Center uh, tuning in right now. Many of the volunteers are here. Some of you are wearing your shirts, ready to go. Uh, And I'm going to ask you at this moment, would you stand right where you are? First of all, would you go ahead and stand? We want to, first of all, thank you. Uh, So let's give a hand. Yeah. Good. You remain standing. Good. Good, 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 good. And and I'm gonna ask that you remain standing here and in the Family Life Center because we wanna say a prayer for our children and for you. Uh, Regardless of how big or small you think your job is, the very gift of your presence in whatever capacity, whether you're leading children from class to class, you're leading crafts, recreation, you're making snacks, whatever it is, you're holding doors open, greeting parents, whatever it is, you are a part of the team and you are a part of making this possible today um, and this all through this week. So we're going to offer a word of prayer. Would you bow with me now as you remain standing um, and ask the Lord's blessing? God, we stop for just a moment uh, to acknowledge that uh, you are always up to something in the hearts of people. And we especially know that you're always up to something in the hearts of children. We know this. Uh, you who made it a point to bring children into the very center of the consciousness of your people when you walked among us. You you make clear that you are always up to something in their hearts and minds, and, and we marvel at that truth. But we also marvel at the truth that you invite us to participate with you in loving people toward faith, So for every one of the hundreds of children who will come onto this campus today and all through this week, we we lift up a prayer for each of them and and each of their distinct, one-of-a-kind stories. We lift up every child for the uniqueness in which they are made and for the distinctive way in which you are calling every little girl and every little boy to your own heart. We pray that something would begin and something would be planted like a seed, something would be watered like the growth of a seed that might flower into faith. And for these volunteers, these sisters and brothers, Lord, who have said, yes, we will help, yes, we will show up, and we will serve, we lift up a prayer of gratitude. As a church family, we say thank you to you, Lord, for the willingness of these who have, who have shown up and who will show up all week long. But we pray more than just a prayer of gratitude, we pray that your Holy Spirit, the very power of your sacred presence, would be so alive in every one of our volunteers that they would even sense something is up, something is going on beyond their own planning, beyond their own preparation. We pray that your Holy Spirit would move in the words that are spoken in the actions that are taken, even in the moments of silence when children are reflecting and simply abiding together. We pray for these volunteers that you would bless this entire week so that we may by the end say that we have given you all of the glory because you're the only one worth it. We pray these things in the name of Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. And now, If you'll turn with me in your Bibles, we will continue with our study. And by the way, one of the things that is uh, most exciting to me, turn to Exodus 15, by the way, one of the most exciting elements of VBS this year for me is that guess what I get to do? I get to tell Bible stories to the second graders. Yeah, yeah. So each night this week, I get to spend time with the second many storytellers all through the week, but my assignment, as was given to me by Pastor Annie, and when Pastor Annie asks, you say yes. She asked me to teach the second graders, so I'll be telling the stories, uh, the biblical stories tonight to to second graders, and so I thought I might practice on you. (laughs) So if you will turn with me in Exodus chapter 15, let me give you about a one- minute review of where we've been in our exploration of the book of exodus we are now in the final chapter the final chapter of the first major section in the book of exodus in which the first 15 chapters are devoted to one thing liberation being set free for more than 400 years, the people had suffered under the, the, the back-breaking, mind-numbing work of brick-making, building up the infrastructure of an empire that was set to, to dominate them and to keep them in a place of servitude, all for the, all for the benefit and glory of Pharaoh. So a Moses comes along under the, the, the call of God. Moses comes along to deliver a message to Pharaoh, let my people go so that they may worship. But Pharaoh knows what you and I know, that when you worship then and there, as well as here and now and everywhere in between, when you worship, something mystical happens. You are able, when you worship, to imagine the possibility of an existence that looks different than the one you're living. And of all the enslavement the people experienced for those 400 years, the physical enslavement was nothing compared to the enslavement of the imagination. They no longer could believe that their lives could look different. They no longer believed that it was possible to live outside of the reach of Egypt. So let my people go. And when Pharaoh refused, he doubled down. He increased their labors. So God sends ten plagues, ten consecutive uh, plagues as a, as a kind of a sequence of one by one systematically dismantling the very infrastructure of domination and empire and subjugation, and intimidation, and humiliation. One by one, each one of the plagues dismantled the power of Pharaoh until he said, all right, scoot, go. And they leave, and they leave. They, 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 They depart Egypt, and on their way, we came last week to the place where they got stuck Now in their liberation, we said last week, they come to the place where they're now at the Red Sea. They can't cross the Red Sea, and they can't go to the right or left because of the impassable terrain. And and meanwhile, behind them, here here comes Pharaoh and the armies of Pharaoh pressing in, and we reflected last week that even in pursuit of freedom... You will always come to the place of stuckness, where you can't move forward, you can't go right or left, and it seems as if everything that used to enslave you is pressing on, threatening to take you back. And in those moments, the only place to look is up. And they cry out to God, and God splits the seas wide open. And they they walk across on dry ground, and then Moses lifts his his rod once more, and, and, and as the Pharaoh, armies of Pharaoh come through the sea, the waters come crashing upon them. They, and it submerges every one of their former threats. Everything that used to enslave, every fear now drowned. And today, our text records the first thing that happens after they see the bodies of the Egyptians floating up on the shore. The very first thing, Exodus chapter 15, verse 1. They sing. They sing. Listen to these words. Then Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord. I will sing to the Lord for he has triumphed gloriously. Horse and, and, and uh, rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my might, and, and he has become my salvation. This is my God, and, and I will praise him, my Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a warrior. Uh, the Lord is his name. The Pharaoh's chariots and his army, he, he cast into the sea he, his picked officers. Were sunk in the Red Sea. The floods covered them. They, they went down into the depths like a like a stone. Your right hand, O oh Lord, glorious in power, your right hand, O oh Lord, shattered the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you you, you overthrew your, your adversaries. You sent out your fire, fiery or your fury, and it consumed them like stubble. At the blast of your nostrils, what a great image. At the the blast of your nostrils, the waters piled up. The floods stood up in a heap. The the deeps congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy said, the enemy said, I will pursue. I will overtake. I will divide and spoil. Uh, My desire shall have its fill of them. I will draw out my sword and my, my hand shall destroy them. But you. You, you blew, you blew your wind. The sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. And the song continues that. Who is like you, O Lord? Who is like you among the gods? Who is like you uh, met majestic in holiness, awesome in splendor, doing wonders? You stretched out your right hand. The earth swallowed them. In your steadfast love, you led the people whom you redeemed. You guided them by the strength of your holy abode, the people. The peoples heard, they, they trembled. Pangs seized the inhabitants of Philistia. In the chiefs of Eden, they were dismayed. Trembling seized the leaders of Moab. All the inhabitants of Canaan melted away. Terror and dread. Fell upon them by the might of your arm, they became still like a, like a stone. Until your people, O oh Lord, passed by, until your people whom you acquired passed by, you you brought them in and planted them on the mountain of your own possession. The place, O oh Lord, that you have made and called your own abode, the sanctuary, O oh Lord, that you that your hands have established with a song. The song begins to, to begin to slow a little bit. And then the narrator says, the Lord will reign forever and ever. When the horses and Pharaoh and his chariots and the chariots drivers went into the sea, the Lord brought back the waters of the sea upon them. But the Israelites walked through the sea on dry ground. Then the prophet Miriam keeps on singing. Miriam, Aaron's sister, took a tambourine in her hand and all the women went out after her with tambourines and with dancing. And Miriam sang to them, Sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. Horse and rider, he has thrown into the sea. The reading of the sacred word. Of all the things they could have done, When they come through the sea, of all the things they could have done to organize themselves, let's redeploy, let's organize, let's collect the loot that's washing up on shore, of all the things that they could have done, they chose to sing. It occurs to me that in the heart of every human being, there is a song waiting to be sung And the music is composed by the one who made you and the lyrics of the song of your life, the lyrics, well, they're they're written by all of the distinct experiences that have gone into shaping who you are and where you're from. And this text, which is a long song, really, called the Song of the Sea, this text provokes a question for me that I want to use as a springboard for our sermon today, and it's this. What is the song? that your life is attempting to sing? What is the song that your life is attempting to sing? And since it's all musical today, I want to give you three words that will help us guide our way through this sermon. The three words I want you to think of are musical words. Earworms. Spotify. And Shazam, earworms, Spotify, Shazam. Let's pray together. Good and loving God, in this moment of, of study and, and imagination and, and exploring the mystery of your, your holy word, our prayer is this. It's very simple, that you would transform us. That's it. That we may see and hear and experience something in this ancient text that does something so very new in us that none of us walk off this campus the same. We pray that in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Earworms. You know what an earworm is, right? an earworm is a part of the song that you just can't get out of your head you know it's just like the the chorus or the hook of it you know we're, we're told uh by those who who study us that an earworm actually only lasts about maybe seven or eight seconds it's usually a certain combination a sequence of notes and 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 there there's something distinct in fact uh, Victoria Watkinson, or Victoria uh, Williamson, a visiting professor from Switzerland's Lucerne University, um, she has d- shown us and dis- described to us what happens in the brain when you have an earworm. When you wake up at two o'clock in the morning and you're still kind of singing the chorus of the song that you heard before you went to bed, she says something happens to imprint upon the brain. It's only about seven and eight seconds or so, and it's not with every song. It has something to do with kind of the frequency, the pitch of the music, certain notes when combined with other notes, so not every song can, can give you an earworm. But here's the way she described it. Something happens in the brain where the brain is retrained and an earworm is simply this. An earworm is actually your brain singing. It's your brain singing. and. I, I think there's something very biblical about earworms. In the Bible, we are told about singing more than 400 times. Singing is mentioned more than 400 times in the Bible, and 50 of those times, it's a command. It's a command to sing. Sing unto the Lord a new song. Sing uh, in order to celebrate, in order to worship, in order to praise, in order to pray. We're told in Scripture we're commanded to sing at times when we're sad, to sing a song of grief and and lament. The Bible, the Bible is filled with singing. Did you know that the Bible itself is actually uh, framed with song? In the very beginning, the first two chapters, Genesis 1 and 2, that we studied very closely at deep levels several weeks ago together, you and I, we learned that chapter 1 and 2, the story about creation, is actually written in poetic fashion, meant to be sung or chanted in an ancient form of worship, we believe. That's at the beginning of the Scripture. Did you know that at the very end of Scripture there is given to us this glorious vision about what our existence looks like forever and ever in the book of Revelation. In chapter 5, we hear these words. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and the sea and all that is in them singing. To the one seated on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And and the four living creatures said, Amen. Amen. And the elders fell down in worship. The very Bible itself is framed, it's bookended in the beginning and at the very end with song. And it's not only bookended with song, beloved, it's crammed with song. The the, the book of Psalms, the Psalter, is filled with singing and instructions about singing. There are instructions to choir leaders about how to lead people in worship. King Saul, when he was vexed, when he was tormented in mind, the only thing that comforted him was the music of David. We're even given an image of God who is such a fan of music that God even dances and sings over us. In Zephaniah, we read these words. The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice Watch over you with singing. In the New Testament, we move to Colossians and hear these words, this call to you and me. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teach and admonish one another in all wisdom and with gratitude in your hearts, sing, sing psalms, hymns and spiritual songs to God. And why? Why? Because when we sing, we remember when we sing there is an earworm placed in the soul do you know that you can go to a nursing home and lead a chapel service we used to do that like once a month in one of the churches where we you go to lead a chapel service at a nursing home and if, especially even if you go to that part of the nursing home that many of you visit to see someone you love who was there being cared for you, could, you can go to that one part of the nursing home um, where they specialize in memory care. And you can visit the, the person you love who in many ways is, is kind of a, a diminished version of the person you knew because they can't remember some things. Maybe you've gone through the, the deep, deep pain of, of them not remembering you even, and yet you know what you can do. On an old, out-of-tune piano, you can bang out the tune of Amazing Grace and and they'll sing every word. You can bang out the tune of, I come to the garden alone. And you look, and on their lips they're singing, while the dew is still on the roses. They, because there is an earworm in the soul. When you sing, you remember, and it has a transforming power when you, when you sing truth. When you sing truth, it has a transforming power power now later in the story of the Hebrews the Israelites right before they occupy the promised land it's later in the story it's not now but in Deuteronomy they're about to occupy the the promised land and before they do they sing a song and then after the song listen to the the text The text says, and when many evils and troubles have come upon them, and they will, this song shall confront them as a witness, for it will live unforgotten in the mouths of their offspring. In other words, we're going to sing, and we're going to sing, and we're going to sing truth till our children know it by heart. Earworms. Earworms are sung truths that keep us remembering who we are and where we've been. This is what Exodus 15 is all about. The text, the long text, the long song that we just read a few moments ago, that's what's going on in the text. It's the original earworm. In fact, many believe that Exodus 15 is some of the oldest literature in the entire Hebrew Bible. And as such, every song that comes after that, and every story, and every poem, and every moment that comes after that, it springs forth out of this earworm, out of the song that says, look, we came to a place where we couldn't go anywhere else. We were stuck, we, and, we, and we, the only place we had to go was to look up, and the God who rescues got us unstuck. That's what the, that's what the, the song is proclaiming, and, and it's meant to be sung again and again to help them remember something about the character of this kind of God. That's the earworm that will set almost like a, kind of like a bass, a bass rift, like a, a time signature. It's, it serves almost like a rhythm section to every song that comes after, because you follow this story, the God who liberates the oppressed. You follow this story, the God who pays attention to the broken and the marginalized and the forgotten. You pay attention to this song and you get every other song right, see? You forget this song and you've missed the whole point. This is the earworm. And now now before we move on to the next part of the sermon though, I got to say something about this earworm. This is a beautiful text, this song about setting the people free and liberating them, setting them, letting the sea break wide open. But i got to tell you something about this song. There's a disturbing part of this song, and we have to address it here in worship. Because if you just read it on the surface, it's a song that seems to celebrate the death of all of the enemies of the people. I mean, clearly, in language that is not mixed, it's, it's very candid, You overthrew every chariot and every chariot rider, all the officers of Pharaoh. You drowned them in the sea. Woo! And if we're not careful, that's all the song becomes. There is a story told in the Talmud. The Talmud is kind of this running Hebrew uh, commentary on the Hebrew Bible. The rabbis tell stories in order to help understand the story of of the Bible. And in the Talmud, there is a story told about this day The sea splits open, the people walk across, the armies of Pharaoh are drowned in the sea, and in heaven, the angels throw a party. And they celebrate, and they sing, and they dance, and they laugh, and they're loving this moment, and they turn to see that God is grieving, God is weeping. They come to God, these angels, and they say, why do you not celebrate with us? Why? Because, and God said, how? How can I celebrate Because so many of my creatures drown today. See, if we're not careful, we will forget a major truth about biblical scholarship, about understanding this sacred word. If we're casual, cavalier about it, here's what we'll think. We'll just kind of randomly open it up and we'll read something and take it completely out of context and forget that this whole thing is meant to take you someplace. In other words, what we know about God at the beginning of the book grows and develops and we change god doesn't change but our understanding of god and what god wants from us and needs from us changes by the time we get to the last part of the book there's something of an evolution a development a growth that happens as you read the scriptures so for example by the time we get around to jesus who we believe is a pretty important part of this whole book The face of of God. Jesus is the face of God. And by the time we get to him, much time has passed. And there's plenty of violence in the Old Testament. Plenty of moments when songs were sung about the enemies being drowned in the sea. But when we get to Jesus, Jesus says things like, Okay, you have heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, I, the Son of God, say to you, Love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. So because we believe that what happens toward the end of the book kind of shapes everything, then we look through Jesus as a kind of lens to go back and see all the stuff that happened before Jesus. So we look at all of these stories through the lens, the interpretive lens of the life of Jesus. Jesus. So, when we go back, it's important to kind of pump the brakes a little bit so that we don't just read it cavalier and say, ah, yeah, God killed all the enemies. Maybe God will kill our enemies. The important thing is to, to realize that the point was not to celebrate the death of their enemies. The point was to celebrate the life that had been given them, the freedom. They had been set free from their enslavement, and that is the earworm that they were meant to sing forever and ever. Amen. That in the midst of great suffering, when floods were taking life, God gave life. Yeah? Earworms matter. Which leads us to the second movement of the sermon not just earworms, but Spotify. Just by a show of hands, how many of you have Spotify on your phone or a device? Um, somewhere in your possession. Great, okay. So Spotify is a an app on your device, just to catch everybody up, it's, a, it's an app on your device on which you can, or through which you can listen to music. It's a l- music listening app and you can listen to all the kinds of music, any artist, any song, any album, any era. I mean, you can listen to all the Coldplay you want, you can listen to all the Need to Breathe you want, you, you can listen to all the, I'm not... I'm not hitting on your bells in here, am I? You can listen to all the Sinatra you want. No, I got one. I got one. You can listen to all the Marvin Gaye you want. Am Am I getting close? But not only that, you can listen all day long to it. Here's the thing, but I want you to follow this. I want you to follow this. Spotify allows you to access the material, the content, the artistic license of somebody else's song. And you can do that because every once in a while, every four or five songs, they'll throw a commercial on there. You know, 15 minutes or more can save you you know, 15% on your car. So you, you, you can listen, and it allows you to access somebody else's content, somebody else's song, because of commercials. Or you can budget $9.99 a month and get commercial-free entertainment, which means that not only can you listen to all the Marvin Gaye you want, you know what you can do? You can take all the Marvin Gaye you want, you can access the content, the song of somebody else, all you want. And so much so that you can pick and choose which ones and you can create a playlist. You can create your own playlist so that you listen to it in the sequence, in the order, the rhythm in which you want to hear it. You are able to access and then manipulate and somehow be inspired by a playlist you create from somebody else's content. I can tell that really moves you. (laughs) The reason it's important is because when I come to Moses and you and I read this amazing song and and Moses has what appears to be this just amazing, uh, full, beautifully written, poetic song about this thing that happened and it includes everything. It includes some things that he's saying about God and includes some things that he's saying to God, which, by the way, is how we plan worship, you know? You know, when we plan worship, we try not to plan worship, I mean, I'm talking about JCBC, in contemporary and in traditional, we try not to plan worship that's just one-dimensional, but multi-dimensional, and one of the ways that we do that is we make sure that some of the things that we sing, this is, by the way, just an aside, this is just free, you know? This is just a little add-on, you know, brought to you by... Geico, this is, the, when we plan worship, we make sure that some of the things that we sing are songs about God. And there are some songs that are to God. For example, this morning in, in traditional, if you're in the FLC, in traditional today, we sang Praise God from Whom All Blessings Flow, the doxology. That's a song to each other about God. Praise God from Whom All Blessings Flow. Uh, praise Him all creatures here below, praise Him above. You heavenly hosts, praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. See, that's a song about God, but we sing it to each other. If we're in contemporary, we may sing something. This is amazing grace. We may sing amazing grace, my chains are gone. See, that's a story I'm telling you about me. And that's worship, because I'm telling you something about God. Not, not too, but In addition to that, though, there is always a moment in worship in which you must turn From talking about God to talking to God. Like there was a moment when we sang a moment ago, Tom, and when we, in in traditional, we sang, um, Oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Oh Lord, we glorify your name. Oh Lord, we magnify your name. Prince of peace, mighty God. Oh Lord, God Almighty. See, we're singing to God. And in contemporary today, you all just got through singing one of my favorite songs. what a beautiful name. And there's a point in, in that song in which you turn your attention and say, you know what, you have no rivals. You have no equal. Now and forevermore, uh, God, you reign. Yours is the kingdom. Yours is the glory. Uh, yours is the name that is above all names. See, there's a point in which when we worship, we, we sing some things to God and some things about God. And, and on the surface, we look at Moses. And that's exactly what he does. He has the fullness. Of this song that he's singing, and, and, and this is what he said. He talks about God. He says, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously, horse and rider. He is thrown into the sea. See, he's rehearsing what has happened here. The Lord is my strength, my, my might. has become my salvation. This is my God. And, and I will praise him, my father's God. I'll exalt him. He's a warrior. The, the Lord is his name. He goes on to, to describe what God has done. Pharaoh's chariots, the army, they, they, they sunk into the sea, right? But in chapter 15, verse 6, there's something that switches, and he stops talking about God, and he talks directly to God. In verse 6, this is what we hear. Your right hand, O Lord, glorious in power, your right hand, O Lord, shattered the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you overthrew your adversaries. You sent out your uh, you're sent out your fury, it consumed them like stubble. He goes on and on talking to the Lord, speaking directly to him. Now, you and I back away from that, and we look at that and say, now that's a good song. We say, that is a full song. That is a full worship song. He covers all of his bases. But then we keep on reading, and we realize after he sings about 18 verses, long verses of song about and to God, Miriam sings did you notice that Miriam, sing. after about 18 verses in which in which Moses sings and sings and sings about two then Moses's sister Miriam sings and she has one verse she has one verse and this is what the verse says and Miriam sang to them sing to the Lord for he has triumphed gloriously horse and rider he's thrown into the sea and if you and I read this casually, here's what happens. We come to it and say, oh, wow, Moses, that was awesome. Great song, Moses. And it was kind to include something from Miriam. I guess that was kind of a PC thing of you to do, make sure that the men and women are represented. It's all great. But most scholars reveal to us, did you know that uh, <laughs> Miriam's song is likely older? It's likely older. Older material than Moses' song. And so when it's put together, the content of what Miriam's saying is said to have happened first. And when it was put together in written form, someone reversed it. Because if you pay attention to what Miriam says, Miriam says something like this um, sing to the Lord, which is a call to worship. And guess what? Moses' first words in his part of this whole thing I will sing to the Lord. In other words, Miriam said sing, so I'm sing. In many ways, this is the first example of, in the Bible that we have of mansplaining. <laughs> so here she is. She has this song, but I can say it so much better. Kind of what happens at the resurrection, by the way, when the very first preachers of the New Testament were the women, and they were the first ones to the tomb, and they went proclaiming that he is risen, and then the gospel writers say, that's great news, but we can say it so much better. So they write four long books, you know. Yeah. But it's interesting to me because we're talking about Spotify. Because Moses accessed the content of somebody else's song that enabled him to provoke a song in himself. Hearing the song of Miriam provoked the song that was in Moses. Which is the entire point here. Who is it in your life whose life song has provoked music in you? I mean, is there somebody, and when you watch them, the way they live, the way they talk, the way they walk, the way they move and groove, the way they just love everybody, the way they share, the way they give. Is there uh, somebody for whom their life song has provoked a kind of music in you? This is the whole reason that you and I gather on Sunday mornings. Do you know what 1 Corinthians says about why we gather together and the possibility of what can happen when we gather in the same place? 1 Corinthians says this. What should be done, my friends, when we come together... Oh, this is great. Each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. In other words, in 1 Corinthians, Paul is saying you and the church should Spotify each other. You should tune your ears and listen to the songs that each of you are living and singing and living out and playing out in your life because the song of faith and the song of love and grace and humility and service, the song, if you can tune your ear and hear it in your sister or brother, it might provoke a song in you. So who is it in your life for whom you've been provoked? Who's Song is inspiring enough for you to Spotify. And maybe the better question is this. (laughs) What kind of music does your song, the song of your life, provoke in others? What kind of music does the song of your life provoke in others? Are you doing anything, saying anything, practicing anything, attempting anything that is causing others to be provoked in the soul? We can't provoke song in other people until we know something about the song that is in us. Which takes us from earworms, the sung truths that keep on playing. It takes us through Spotify, which means listen, tune our ears to one another and see what music emerges. It takes us from Spotify to Shazam. Now, some of you, when you heard that word Shazam, think uh, a Gomer pile. Oh, Shazam, right? But Shazam is also another app on your device. The Shazam app, around 2000, a PhD from Stanford, realized that we have a common problem. Have you ever been to a grocery store or you've been at a restaurant and you're with your person you're with and you're like, you know, I love this song, but I don't know who played it. Who sang this song? Who wrote it? When was it written? How many records were sold, right? Shazam is an app that allows you to recognize a song that you have forgotten. Once more, I can tell you're moved. Shazam... Shazam is an app that allows you to recognize a song, perhaps, that you have forgotten the name to, the, 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 the history behind, the, the record sales behind it, because of an algorithm, algorithm that is put together, an algorithm that helps identify each unique song's acoustic fingerprint. So this app assigns a code to every song that's ever been written. That means no two songs have the same acoustic fingerprint. Can I just... So 500 million times this app, Shazam, has been downloaded on phones to somehow identify 50 million different songs over the last decade. But can I just drop a truth on all of us here? There is a song that is waiting to be sung in your own life. And and if you don't remember the tune, if you can't remember why it was written, if if there's something in you that is keeping you from a life song that God put in you, I just want to tell you there is a Shazam for the soul. There is a Shazam for the soul. There is a way for you and for me to identify the song that has been put in the soul. And and you're not going to like it. Because I don't. Because the Shazam of the soul is struggle. Suffering brokenness heartache experiences that none of us would welcome the shazam of the soul is going through a thing because do you know what happens when you go through a thing a season a time an event a tragedy a loss a a, a scary season here's what happens whatever it is that is in you emerges for good or bad Whatever is in you emerges, the Lord, our Lord, said. And we hear hear about it in Matthew's Gospel. The Lord said these words. But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. In other words, whatever is in the heart will eventually be demonstrated. You'll say it. you'll, 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 You'll speak it. There will be, at some point, an event that causes you to reveal the thing that is on your interior. That's Matthew's gospel, but the Lord said, and and it was recorded in Luke, this, nothing is hidden that will not be disclosed, nor is anything in secret that will not come and, and be known into the light. There is nothing that you can keep in the interior that will remain in the interior because we go through seasons of struggle and suffering and hardship, and that thing gets pressed up and out. This is why James said it this way. You know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open. (laughs) It's shazammed to show its true colors. Don't know what the song is that's being sung in you. Maybe it's a song of grief, a song of fear, a song of hope, a song of love and faith, whatever it may be when you go through a thing. And for the Hebrews, this is what? So they... For 400 years, they had been on the interior harboring this pain, this heartache, fear. But not only that, for 400 years, the interior of all the Israelites included hope, longing, readiness for freedom. And they get to the sea, and the sea splits open, and the thing that emerges out of them is this song. You, O Lord, with your steadfast love has brought us through. If there were a Shazam held up to your life to recognize the song being sung, what kind of music would be discovered? You know, some of us try to hide those seasons of struggle and suffering Do you know that your song is made up of every joy and every pain every success and every failure and every scar that comes from those failures like the like the scratch on an old vinyl record is part of the song now you know my sons love vinyl records isn't that the weirdest thing now that our students they're into the retro thing they're into vintage stuff and my sons love vinyl records, which is a good thing because my father, who, was a, who is a musician and was a DJ for years and years since the early 60s, has been nickel and diming yard sales for vinyl for the better part of 69 years. So every time we go home, they come back with vintage vinyl. Last night we came home from a quick visit to Chattanooga and guess, guess what, Jackson comes home with the original print of the Beatles' White album. Among others, yeah. But do you know why they dig it? You know why they dig it? I figured if we're talking in the 60s, I'd just kind of use dig it. Is that, you know why they dig it? Because they like the scratch and the hiss and the pop and the crackle of the... Because that's how it was recorded and that's how it was meant to be played. And they got Spotify. They can listen to a clean, crisp version. But who wants to do that because all the character is in the scratch? And I'm telling you that I know firsthand we spend a lot of time and energy and sometimes money uh, upon therapists to get us through the scratches that got us through childhood and adolescent, early adulthood. And I get it. So do it. you got to move forward. But I just got to tell you, part of your song is the scratch. The thing that makes your song unique and beautiful is that it's got some hisses and pops in it that are unique to you. And I've been saying this for a long time to y'all. That there is an experience that you have with God that is unique to you. Your version of encountering God is distinct and unique to you. There is nobody else ever made. There is more than an acoustic fingerprint. There is a human fingerprint in you, a divine uh, fingerprint placed upon you. And your encounter with God, no one else has. So guess what you've got to do? If you don't sing your song, no one will hear that part of God's character. If you don't somehow find a way to shazam whatever it is in you and let the world hear it and let others Spotify off you and learn what you're learning from your encounter with God, there is a part of the experience of God that won't be shared by the world. Do you have pain? Then you've got a song. Do you have a scar? Then you've got a song. Do you have some moment in your memory when you came to the edge of something and you had nowhere to go but look up and suddenly due to no, no reason on your part, no participation of your own, the seas split open and you walked across on dry ground and you have a song and the only thing you've got to do is sing. You've got to sing. This is why we do VBS. This is why we teach children. It's why we do Sunday school with students and they do retreats and why we, we gather on Sunday mornings. Because what we're up to here at JCBC when we gather is to strengthen the faith of our interior so that when we face pressure and when we experience life or death or joy or sorrow, the song that gets pressed with all its scratches is a song of faith and beauty and love and grace so it's time to sing in just a moment you're about to hear a song in the, the family life center you're about to hear the very same song no longer slaves it's one of my favorite worship songs right now and and i asked uh, glenn if, if we can make sure to sing the song after the sermon because right now on in both venues we're all going to be hearing and hearing and then even singing in the flc the words of a song that is the earworm of all humankind if we choose to sing, let's take a moment and offer our prayer before that liberating God. God, we stop just now to say thank you for the gift of splitting the sea wide open that we might walk across on dry land. We, we give you thanks for the earworm, the song out truth that your love is mightier than chariots and the armies of Pharaoh, that your love is relentless so much so that you, you free us from whatever it is that enslaves us. As we now continue to worship and listen to the, to the earworm, the truth song here before us, we pray that you would stir in someone's heart the beginning of faith. We pray in the name of Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.